Welcome to this podcast from St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope you consider hitting like or subscribe. We hope you will share this audio with your friends and neighbors, help others know about our inclusive, theologically progressive community of faith. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can make a gift at stmichaelsabq.org. In the name of the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, please be seated. A couple of weeks ago, I was walking my son to school, and we were chatting about what was coming up on the calendar, and I mentioned that I would be preaching on Christmas Eve morning, preaching Advent 4. And I told him I really didn't have any idea what approach I might take because the gospel for Advent 4 is the Annunciation, the story when Angel Gabriel tells Mary she's going to give birth to Jesus. And I feel like I've heard the same sermon about a million times, and I didn't know what new or helpful thing I might be able to offer. Ian paused and said, well, this is the first time you are both a priest and a mother. Maybe you can do something with that. <laughs> so after I stopped crying, you know, <laughs> I thought, well, maybe. There's so much for me tied up in that so much because, you see, my spiritual life was transformed by my experience of pregnancy and early motherhood. God was real, active, the nearness of God was ever-present, could not be ignored. Everything was miraculous. Who I was, who I wanted to be, and how I moved in the world was also utterly transformed. So it is not much of a stretch to say that had I not become Ian's mother, I would not now be your priest. So I want to accept his invitation to preach to you today from that tender, awe-filled place. And tender and awe-filled seems like the appropriate posture for all of us as we shift from Advent and turn toward the celebration of Christmas. With all the excitement of God sending angel Gabriel to Nazareth to give Mary the big news, it's easy to overlook the way this story is located in a particular time. The opening words of our gospel passage today are, in the sixth month, which is a reference to a different miraculous pregnancy, Elizabeth's. Remember, in the Gospel of Luke, the first person visited by an angel of the Lord is the priest Zechariah, who is told that Elizabeth, his old barren wife, will conceive and bear a son, John, who will prepare the way of the Lord. And so on this fourth Sunday of Advent, I want to invite us to hold these two stories, 
the birth announcements for Elizabeth and Mary, without looking ahead to what comes next. I want us to remain in a place of pregnant anticipation for just a bit longer before we turn to Bethlehem and the manger to ask what this moment can reveal to us about God and a life of faith. When we look at this sliver of these women's stories, what strikes me most is the central truth that God comes to us unbidden in ways we don't understand or can't imagine. And God comes to us in ways that meet our deepest desire, our yearning, that for which we no longer even dare to hope. You see, in their cultural world, Elizabeth and Mary's pregnancies meant very different things. Pregnancy removed Elizabeth's disgrace, but invited it for Mary. And yet, both of them were favored by God. Those are the first words uttered by the angel Gabriel to Mary. Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And that's how Elizabeth interpreted her own experience. As her pregnancy progressed, she proclaimed, the Lord has looked favorably upon me. Both of them were favored by God. Elizabeth's response feels most familiar to me. It's easy to feel favored by God, to feel blessed when things go our way, when at long last we get what we have dreamed of or what we have worked for. It's much harder to feel God's favor and blessing when our lives are turned upside down rocked by something unexpected, something no rational person would call a blessing. And yet, we are all, each and every one of us, favored by God, beloved of God, known, seen, held in the palm of God's hand, Loved beyond our imagining. There's a second thing that captures my attention when we compare these two stories. And it's the angel's response to expressions of incredulity or doubt. When the angel tells Zachariah that he and Elizabeth will have a baby, Zachariah says, how can I know that this will happen? And gives reasons why it's impossible. For that, the angel strikes him dumb. When Gabriel tells Mary she will bear a son, Mary responds in the same way. Mary says, how can this be? And gives reasons why it is impossible. But the angel doesn't punish her for this question. Instead, angel Gabriel explains and reassures for nothing will be impossible with God. What gives? I think the operative word here may be 
no. Zachariah asks, how can I know? And Mary asks, how can this be? I hear in Zachariah's question, my need for certitude, intellectual certainty, for logical coherence, all the things that are incompatible with a life of faith, or at least that make one more difficult. That's not what I hear in Mary's question, how can this be? I don't know if it's her youth or her social location, but her question seems to come from a different place. It's about what God does, what can be, rather than what she can know or understand. The desire to know, to understand, to make intellectual sense of God seems to me a very human aspiration, at least I hope so. It's what I tell myself. Because when we know, when we understand, if we can comprehend, then we can predict, we can control, or at least we can give ourselves the illusion of control. And this is one of the ways in which the early days of mothering were spiritually transformative for me. I'll tell you one example. When Ian was a um, young toddler, he was not a reliable napper. He didn't sleep like they're supposed to sleep. And so I did my research to find out what I needed to do to make that happen, make him take naps. And so I knew that we needed to get fresh air before 11 a.m. so that he could get the sunshine and all of that to help um, with the melanin and all of that. So, um, so we would go on our little walks around the neighborhood. And if you've ever gone on a walk with a toddler, you know that um, they want, they'll get out of the stroller, they'll get back in the stroller, they go at a much different pace than you might be accustomed to. And so we would go on our walks. And um, I had an endpoint in mind and a schedule to keep. And Ian loved rocks. <laughs> And we were living in Alamogordo, and the, like every yard was xeriscaped. And, um, and so we would be walking, and he would see these rocks. And I would see the same rock. And Ian would see the beautiful uniqueness of each and every rock, which was to him worthy of stopping and noticing and remarking and sharing. And so I remember one day in particular where he's admiring these beautiful rocks that all look the same to me. And it's taking every ounce of self-restraint for me to stand there because we've got a nap to take, laundry to do, there's story hour at the library, and we need to go grocery shopping. We don't have time for this. And I can feel this welling up inside me and um, recognizing that... Um, that toddlers live in Kairos time, not Kronos time. 
And we can all learn from their example. And that when, when I was willing to enter into Kronos time with my son, everybody was a lot happier. <laughs> if I could let go of the agenda that I had laid out before me, my to-do list, that since even that I could, if I worked hard enough and researched enough, make him take naps on my schedule. That was all an analogy for how to trust in God and for how to be present to the moment before me to see the blessings that God had cast in front of me like a yard full of beautiful rocks. So these days, I have a card on my refrigerator. It's a quote from Paula Darcy, and it says, God comes to you disguised as your life. I keep it there because now that my children are older and I'm in a different season of mothering, I need the reminder. I need the reminder of the ways God reaches out to us, unbidden, unexpected, in ways we might not fully understand, and in ways we most yearn for. I need the reminder of the central truth that what is so profound about the incarnation is God's presence with us in the mundane, the quotidian, in our life, in the nitty gritty and the beautiful and the absurd. The extraordinary part happens when we're awake to it, alive to it. It is the moment that we recognize God's nearness, that we feel God's favor, that we glimpse our belovedness. As we move out of Advent, I pray that we carry with us the Advent warning, the Advent command to keep awake, for God comes to us disguised as our life. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Keep awake. Amen.